You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I'm sure you noticed a little bit of a late start today. Um, I'm a fed, so I got the day off. If you didn't hear about it, don't worry about it. Got the day off. But I made the, uh, the mistake that I've made several times now, and that is to just, you know what, just sleep in. Which is my own fault, because I stayed up late watching Scrooge last night. Great Christmas movie. And then that ended, and I wasn't sleeping yet. And I was like, alright, I guess I'll just go back to my main staple. Because a a good sleeping thing usually isn't a movie, it's a TV show, and it's not one you really have to just stare at, right? It's not like a suspense thing. So usually my my default is The Office, but every once in a while I need to take a break. So my, my thing now is Married with Children. So, great show, plus I got the whole nostalgia thing going. Just just knocks me right out. So anyways, I watched all of Scrooged, and then I watched Married with Children, and uh, stayed up late, slept in late, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, um, what I decided we would do today, because it's still the main focus of, of every Packer fan right now, who is going to be our next head coach, I thought, you know what, let's just get a full list. Every single Packer coach or, or potential prospect that I can find, make a list, and not really give my opinion, because there's too many people although I can't help but not give it once in a while. But it's more or less something for you, because it's a big question for most Packers fans. And since every Packer fan right now is asking who could be the next person whatever, I figured it would be a good idea to just put together a list for you, give you the uh, the overall notes, and let you go have fun. Because yesterday, what did I say? I said you need to develop your own criteria. What is most important to you? What are the things you want in a head coach? So hopefully you went ahead and did that. And now that you've done that, I'm going to give you an overview of, uh, what do we got, about 56 coaches? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that many. And uh, these, these, this isn't my list. I'm, I'm sure I would come up with a very different list. And by the way, some of these are complete garbage, and I'm just going to tell you flat out, we're not even going to go into it. It's just garbage. But I want a full exhausted list, and this is a list just based on Google search, right? Look up who everybody else is saying. Some of them are really good prospects. Some of them are really good that I'd never heard of, and some of them are just really dumb. But I want to give you the list, give you the overview, and that'll be that. So anyways, preliminaries before we get there. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is what it is. If you want to support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support what it is I do here. Packernet.com for your news, notes, and information. Be sure to check that out. If you're ever wondering what's going on with the Packers, there really, literally is no reason to go anywhere else. I mean, if you want to just Google it, Packers news, that's one way to go. Packernet.com would be another way to go, and I would probably be better. Because, you know, you go to Google, and it's like you get something from six months ago. This is in order. And it's all the Packers websites and blogs that you know and like and respect. Because we're not Google. We're not a major company that uh, just scrapes the internet and finds things from garbage sources. We have all the, you know, we know, man. We, we're we on the ground. Just go there and look. I don't I shouldn't have to explain this to you. Go look for yourself. You can figure it out. You're smart. 
Be sure to get in the Facebook group. Link is in the description. Otherwise, NFLBigBoard.com. If you haven't uh, jumped on the NFL Draft train yet, I have a feeling that uh, that time is rapidly approaching. And I think tomorrow that's what we're going to be looking at is the NFL schedule because there's a really good chance if we lose to the Falcons, and I know some of you are mad that I might even consider wanting us to lose, but I do want us to lose. By the way, I'm not alone in that. I don't just mean other fans. I think our GM is doing everything he can to make sure we don't win too many of these games. Because if I can just interject quickly, I've seen some people talk about you never tank a season, blah, blah, blah. I've said this before, but let me just say it again. The way that a team or a GM, for example, would tank the season, no, you're not going to have players trying to quit. You're not going to have coaches trying to quit. You have Brian Gutekunst walk up and tie the shoelaces of the team together and then say, go get him, Tiger. That's it. He's saying, I want you guys to win. I want you to do your best. But he's shutting the team down. Shipping off players. Everybody's on IR, which, by the way, Kevin King... Just officially, I just saw it on Twitter, got put on IR, right? It's just, you shut down. Maybe it's not because of this, but it's, I, I'm sure Gutekunst was more than happy to get the okay. Like, hey, I'd like to put him on IR. Don't really want him coming back. Can I justify it? Like, is he 100% healed? Is it kind of lingering? Well, you know, it's kind of lingering a little bit. He could probably play, but, you know. I mean, could it get worse? Yeah, it could get worse. All right, IR then. Done. Game over. Good night. Now, who's quitting? Are the players quitting? Is this building a loser's mentality? No, because nobody's going to the players and saying, I want you guys to stop playing. Nobody's doing that, and nobody's suggesting you do that. The way you tank a season is you take away their ability to win, which is exactly why I said after the Cardinals game would be a great opportunity to fire the head coach. Why? Because you're crippling the team. But why would you do that? That's disrespectful. Well, there's a lot of reasons, one of which is you throw the team into chaos. I know a lot of people are saying, well, maybe we'll get better now with Philbin. We're not going to get better. I mean, it's it's possible, but it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, and you wouldn't really expect it. Joe Philbin said he hasn't called plays in 20 years since he was in college. Aside from a couple times, Mike McCarthy let him do it. Um, you know, in the final drive of preseason or something. Meaning he didn't even call plays in Miami when he was the head coach. And if you listen to what Joe Philbin had to say, he doesn't sound like a guy who's, like, taking the bull by the horns. So what are you going to do, Joe? Well, we're going to pretty much do what Mike did around here, and that's pretty much it. He's riding it out. He knows the score. He's not going to be the head coach, and he understands that. He put the team on autopilot. The team's getting shut down. They have been for about three weeks now. We just lost to the Cardinals. We're firing all the coaches. We're putting everybody that's injured on IR. Everybody with an attitude is getting shipped off. That's how you intelligently tank a team. Or if you're John Gruden and you have a 10-year contract and you're the, basically the coach and the GM, you just cut everybody. And you say, we're starting over. This is trash. I want a list of everybody that's good on this team. I want to speak to them very briefly and fire them. That's pretty much it. Amari Cooper, gone. Khalil Mack, gone. All right, who else? I want a list of five people. Oh, that that's the whole list, those two. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. See what we can do with that, I guess. I don't know how we got here. It doesn't matter. But today we're talking about NFL head coaches. I don't know if I finished the whole NFLBigBoard.com thing because I feel like that's where the segue came in, but you should check it out. We're going to be talking quite a bit more about the draft in the coming weeks and months for that matter, and it's pretty important. Um, I mean, I listen. It's up to you what you want to do, but 
it's it's a it's a great way to stay excited about the NFL and the Green Bay Packers to understand that the season is not over because for many many years once the Packers lose in the playoffs which is why I was so dejected when we lost to the Seahawks partly I mean partly because it was just the worst beat ever in the history of the universe well Falcons that was pretty bad but also because there's nothing else to look forward to the draft gives you it, it it's another season it's another football season it's a lot of fun it's similar to what fantasy football does it it just provides another thing so if you're not in yet just go check it out man there, there's there's a lot a lot to get excited about it's a lot of fun nflbigboard.com highlights film news uh scouting reports you got a list in order you can sort it by blah 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 it's just go there and figure it out anyways we have to get started because uh again like 50 some coaches so before we get started i, I kind of touched on it but there's a question out there about is it disrespectful to get rid of Mike McCarthy early on? First of all, it's, it, as I said, it's a good way to tank the season, so it makes sense from that regard. Second of all, I don't think it's necessarily disrespectful, although there's kind of this air of, well, that's disrespect because you didn't let him finish, like, oh, you're so terrible, you're gone. I don't think it has to be that way. You're giving McCarthy a leg up on getting a job interview early. It's also a good way for us to get out there and find a coach early because if you haven't noticed... Lots of coaches are getting fired this year. Only one other head coach got fired, and that's the Browns' Hugh Jackson. If you want to get out there and possibly hire, you know, if there's a stud somewhere, granted the Packers' job is pretty, you know, enticing, who knows what makes a guy tick and why they would want to go maybe for the Jets instead of the Packers. Maybe they want to live in New York or a warm-weather place or whatever. I mean, if if it's just about money and a good living, why not take a job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where you can live in Tampa Bay and make $9 million a year or 10 or 11 or whatever. Why not? If, you, if you're Lincoln Riley and you decide I, I want to make a move and I, it's, it's got to be, it's, it's like a John Gruden deal. Like I'm not coming out, but it better be awesome. And Tampa Bay's like, um, I don't know, how about a house in Clearwater, Florida and $12 million a year and, you know, a, a five, five year contract and whatever, what other ever, Whatever other perks we can offer you, just saying, having the search start today isn't the worst thing ever, because there's going to be a lot of competition, and also the rumor is, although I'm not sure if it's true, not a lot of good options. So um, high demand, low supply, you better get on it quick. So I, I just, I don't buy it, and I don't really care. McCarthy is is well off. He's with his family, he gets to spend December and the holidays with his family, and he gets to start his search for a new career elsewhere before all these other fired coaches get to start a career. I don't think it's disrespectful, I think it was the right decision for every reason. Secondly, and this will kind of lead us into our first um, coaching candidate, I got a question from Randy on Twitter. By the way, if you want to ask questions, you can. I don't really go that route because I kind of have my own thought process. But at some point, we'll probably have to transition, especially in the off season. So if you have questions, go ahead and shoot them out. Um, we'll kind of see how it goes and maybe do a little trial run. Because I, I just feel like the way I operate and the way my brain works, I would get questions and I would just go, yeah, I don't know, man. Crazy question. It's a good one. Got nothing for you. <laughs> but uh, again, if you got them, let me have them. So anyways, it was a three-part question from Randy. First question is, will the Bengals coaching staff get the boot? And this, it was kind of an interesting question. I never really thought about it because I don't really care about the Bengals. But first of all, they should get fired, right? I mean, they should, probably should have happened a long time ago. And, and by coaching staff, you know, typically 
it's 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 a broader question when you say staff. But if we're getting rid of the head coach, we're getting rid of everybody more or less. Here was the one thought I had, and it was it's it's probably one of those things where you're thinking too hard, and if you need to make the right decision, just make the right decision, and if the right decision is to fire your head coach, you just do it. However, it's kind of similar to teams that need a, a a quarterback this year, and actually they're kind of linked, which is funny. But the thought process kind of is not a lot of good quarterback prospects this year. If you need a quarterback, it might be the best option to just take what you have available. In other words, a lot of defensive tackles, a lot of edge rushers, whatever. Take the talent. Focus on getting a quarterback next year. Don't reach this year in a bad year. Just take the talent and come back next year and try it. Maybe you could apply that as far as the coaching staff as well. If it's true, and again, I don't know that it is, that there aren't a lot of very good candidates... And when you consider, like I said, you, you've got so many different coaching staffs firing everybody. you already got the Browns and the Packers. The, Todd Bowles is going to get fired from the Jets. The, the, I mean, there's so many bad teams that are probably going to be firing their head coaches. You're going to be in the mix of so many teams with so many coaches. Maybe we just ride it out and we come back next year when everybody else has their coaches locked up. And they're, you know, they're not going to come back and fire them and try again next year. They're probably going to give them more than one year. So next year you fire your head coach and the staff and you kind of just have the whole field to yourself. Maybe there's one other team somewhere, I don't know. But it seems like this is going to be a pretty crowded year in a year when there's not a lot of options. Beyond that, like I said, it's kind of linked to the whole quarterback debate. Not a lot of quarterbacks this year, which means what? Maybe we hang on to Dalton for another year and then next year we not only fire our um, head coach, but... We draft our future quarterback and move on from Dalton in 2020 when there's going to be a supposedly pretty loaded quarterback class. So we draft a very good quarterback. We bring in a new head coach to be able to work with and coach up our new quarterback. And we start fresh. So probably a little more in-depth and unnecessary of an answer than is needed, but I thought it was an interesting thought. As far as strategy goes... It would cross my mind. Do we really want to dump our head coach and try to find somebody to lure them into Cincinnati when you have the Green Bay Packers and some other very allure? I mean, even the Browns are, are pretty enticing because they're they're building. They have a good GM. They have a young, talented quarterback. They have a lot of young talent, and they still have a bunch of draft picks to play with. There's reason to believe that you could be the coach that turns this franchise that was a joke into a a real contender and a potential Super Bowl champion. As much as it would be nice to go win with the Packers, you're expected to win with the Packers. To go from an 0-16 team to a Super Bowl champion, you're going to be enshrined forever. So the Browns could be very enticing. What could possibly be enticing about the Bengals? Unless, for example, you draft a guy like Tua or one of these guys and you say, there's our draw. This is the draw. So anyways... Moving on. Second question, would the Packers consider calling Van Pelt, and officially Van Pelt will be our our first quarterback, or excuse me, head coaching option. Even though he didn't ask if he would be a head coach, I'm going to throw it out there because some people have suggested it. But specifically, uh, Randy's question was, would we call him? I don't see why not. And then his third question was, would he be willing to take quarterback coach or do you think he would probably be wanting to be offensive coordinator? I think it's a good question. Um, 
I wouldn't offer him offensive coordinator for several reasons. One, I don't think he's earned it, and I don't want to give it to him just because him and Aaron Rodgers have a good relationship, as important as that is. Secondly, if I'm going to hire a head coach, I need to at least give him, if, if I'm telling him you can't touch Pettin, he's got to at least be able to bring over an offensive coordinator as well as some other staff. If I say you can't bring in an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, but I hope you'll pick us, I just, I don't think so. I, I'd like to be able to have a head coach who brings over a, a, an offensive coordinator that he likes and knows and trusts. Somebody that we can vet, but um, it, it, it's just not enough. Now, as a quarterback coach, if he's willing to do it, and would he be willing to do it? I don't think he has a ton of options. I could be wrong. Depends on his, his reputation, you know, throughout the NFL. And that's the one thing that I can't gauge. I don't know the reputation these men have. But unless he's got a stellar reputation somewhere, I mean, he's, what's really his reputation, right? He, he got a job because he was Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach. And he went to Cincinnati and he was uh, working with Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton's going to go ahead and Andy Dalton and kind of ruin your career. Who wants him? He, the, the bottom line is he's not more valuable anywhere else than he is in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers really likes the guy. His value in Green Bay is higher than anywhere else. So I don't know, and my gut says that we're not even going to bother calling him because it just feels like the Packers' way. But if I was in charge, yes, I would reach out. And, I, and this is an area where as much as people like to say, no, we're not going to talk to Aaron Rodgers, that's not his job. If he's coming back, it's 100% because of his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not going to call him unless I talk to Aaron Rodgers and say, listen, I, I, I'm i considering calling up Van Pelt and seeing if he'd be interested in coming back as your quarterback coach. How would you feel about that? If he really, really likes that, then I would really, really call him and I would really, really encourage him to do it. And I would tell Rodgers, you need to really, really encourage him to come back. And let's try to get him back here. Because the fact of the matter is, I, I think... I think we're beyond the point of teaching Rodgers. Not that he's unteachable. There's always things things to learn. The future of the Packers is not about teaching Rodgers. It's about reaching Rodgers. Okay, as, as lame and bumper sticker as that sounds, that's that's the reality. I'm not trying to teach him anything. I want to be able to reach him and communicate with him. I need to be able to have his ear. I need to have his trust. I need to have a relationship with him. And if Van Pelt is the only person on this planet that he gets along with, bring him back here. Again, offensive coordinator may be a little bit too much. I don't know if there's such a thing as like quarterback, coach, slash, um, you know, I don't know, give him some foo-foo title. It's slash uh, assistant head coach, which means absolutely nothing other than quarterback coordinator, but it's a cool-looking title and you get a pay raise. I'm fine with that. Now, with that said, considering he is number one on the list as far as head coaches are concerned, because some people have talked about that, absolutely not. It, it, it's not worth that much. Now, I'm not saying he shouldn't be the head coach because, again, that goes to his credibility, and I have no idea what his credibility is, but I, I don't want him just because him and Aaron Rodgers get along, and I don't really have any reason to believe that he would be a good head coach. Moving on from that, and I'm, I've kind of stacked at the top some of the uh, known commodities, so uh, ex-Packers, et cetera, et cetera. Number two is Joe Philbin. Now, the fact of the matter is there was maybe a time when some people, some more people would have considered this because, of course, the last time Joe Philbin was an offensive coordinator prior to this, the Green Bay Packers offense was very, very good. Now, why exactly were they good? Probably in large part because the offensive players were very good. He then got a head coaching job with Miami. They were not good. He came back to Green Bay to reignite some of that magic and McCarthy got fired because of how bad the offense was. Do you know why? Because the players are not very good anymore. 
So if Philbin's job isn't to elevate the play of the players, and again, that that's sort of what I'm looking for in a coach. We, we talk about, and that's this list kind of annoys me because some people it's like, oh, he needs a job. Why? Well, look at how successful they've been. Do you think maybe the players have something to do with that? It, it, it's, it just blows my mind, the simplistic thinking that some people have. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't be a head coach, but if you're just basing it on how successful one phase, you know, the offense, special teams, defense, whatever it is, without acknowledging that, yeah, it's good because of the players, I, I, I don't know how to help you. The question is, what can you do with the players regardless of their talent? If, if, they're, if we're going to quantify the talent as a six, can you make them play as though they're eights? I, I'm not impressed if this is a, a team full of nines and they end up coming out looking like sevens and everybody's impressed, like, oh, did you see that defense of sevens? That looked really good. It's like, yeah, but, I mean, that I don't, I, okay. It's about elevating the team. What can you do to improve the team? I don't think Joe Phil, Philbin brings that. I think if you surround him with talent, he has some ability. I think he's got some talent. But beyond that, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers really would like him to be there. And as I said earlier, I think he's on his way out, and I think he knows it. Number three, Mr. Edgar Bennett. Uh, Again, he's another guy that's there just because of his name. Fact of the matter is Edgar Bennett was elevated to offensive coordinator in 2015. And for those of you that have been uh, following along, when exactly would you say is around the time the Packers started to slip? Would it be around 2015-ish? I would say so, probably around 2015. So, no thank you. I told you, we're going to fly through some of these because they're just, I don't know. Okay, let, let's just do this now. I'm a little perturbed, to be completely honest, that there are people who have a full-time job writing articles for companies like the Wall Street Journal or USA Today that are this garbage, that put together lists that are so bad, and they get paid full-time salaries. And you have people like me and and other people who don't do this professionally. This is like a side gig that actually put in work and try to do things. It's just a little bit frustrating. I mean, good on them. Because if that's what companies want, if you just want a guy that goes to school and does his homework and gets a piece of paper that says you completed all your classes in nonsense university material, you know, you, you took calculus and stuff, so that's cool, and you took a writing class or 10, and you like sports, so sure, you can come work for us at USA Today. I mean, if, if that's what you want, cool. And then you can have a guy show up, collect a paycheck, and cash it in, putting together a list of eight people, seven of which are just complete trash, and the other guy is just basically copy and paste from somebody else's article. I mean, cool, man. Go ahead and pay the guy if you want. It's just annoying. I don't care. I like what I do. I, I, I don't think I deserve a lot of money. This is just its a fun hobby for me. Those people should not be paid. USA Today should... should be <laughs> <laughs> and I, listen, I'm not picking on, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget his name. There, there's a Packers Wire guy. I like him a lot. This is just Football USA Today article that I'm talking about. It was the worst thing I've ever seen, and there was a lot of them. Whoever it was that said Edgar Bennett, come on, man. Speaking of nonsense, Mike Holmgren, number four. It's actually funny because um, I actually said this as a joke on Twitter. Somebody was talking about some of the candidates that were kind of nonsense, and I was like, yeah, what about Mike Holmgren, ha, 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 but the reason I put this on, it wasn't actually an article, it was, uh, Vegas has come out with some odds, and here, here's the bottom line, here's what you need to understand, the, the guys at the top of the list are legit candidates, right, they're, they're trying to make some money on that, they're putting legitimate numbers, toward the bottom of the list, you start seeing guys like Mike Holmgren, the only reason they're on there 
Because some people don't understand this. They see Vegas odds and they're like, ooh, these are these are the guys that know the most. No, you you got to understand what they're trying to do is make money. So yes, the guys at the top of the list might be legit candidates. The guys at the bottom of the list, it's simply a question of, it's not even who do we think has a chance. It's a question of where are people going to put money? If there are people that are willing to put money on, you know, a donut getting the job, they would put it. But the problem is nobody would do that. You know who, who certain Packers fans and unintelligent people would put money on? Guys like Mike Holmgren. Vegas knows with 1,000% certainty Mike Holmgren will never be a head coach of the Green Bay Packers ever again. They know that. But they, what they also know is that somebody will put $10 on that, and they want that $10. And if they can get 10 people to put $10 on it, they just got themselves a grand. All they had to do was, was publish something with crazy odds for Mike Holmgren, promising to pay you know $1,000 for every dollar you put down if Mike Holmgren gets the job, because it doesn't matter. That's the only reason you see those odds, and it's true for any kind of odds. They have to do their homework, they have to work hard and try to set real legitimate odds for you know, things that kind of make sense. Lafleur or whatever, guys that have you know legitimate names that are out there. Mike Holmgren is a money grab. Speaking of money grab, number five on the list, Brett Favre. Exact same situation. Brett Favre is not being considered. Brett Favre is not considering it. Nobody wants Brett Favre. Nobody's thinking about Brett Favre. But there's about a hundred people out there who are willing to put down ten bucks on Brett Favre becoming the next head coach to see if they can win themselves you know ten grand. And they're all going to lose their 10 bucks. That's all this is about. Brett Favre is a known commodity, and they know people will bet on it, and that's it. He will not be our next head coach. Moving on. Number six, Darren Perry. Now, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to be relatively open-minded. This is more or less just to give you a list of people to look into. In general, however, I'm staying away from defensive coordinators. Um, I'm open to it, and there's actually one that I hated when I first heard it, and I mocked it, but, you know, I could kind of see it. But uh, Darren Perry's been around for a while. He's a, a football player. Played football in the 90s for the Steelers, Chargers, Ravens, Saints. Started off as a coach. So he, so he played for the Saints in 2000. He comes in as the safeties coach for the Bengals in 2002, two years later. So he, he knew what he wanted to do. Next year, he gets a promotion by the Pittsburgh Steelers, assistant defensive backs coach. The very next year, again, 2004, he gets promoted to defensive backs coach from 2004 to 2006, 2007 to 2008, defensive backs coach for the Oakland Raiders, and he's been the safeties coach from 2009 to 2017. So that's pretty much all the information I have. He hasn't really been able to, to make the jump. Um, the, the idea that he would go from the Packers safety coach to a head coach, let's just call it what it is, it's ridiculous. I wouldn't spend a lot of time looking into it. Now, something potential for Mr. Darren Perry, can he make the jump to defensive coordinator? It's going to be a tough climb, and I do feel bad for him. He has not had a lot to work with. I think HaHa Clinton Dix did look pretty good. Um, of course, he ended up quitting on the team, more or less, including Darren Perry. The guys that we had that were any good, we shipped off. I mean, 2009 to 2017 is a long time. He's been the safety coach for this team for a very long time. And for that reason, you know, just, just out of pure loyalty, I would love to see him jump up as a defensive coordinator. Um, I wish him the absolute best. Not to assume that he's going anywhere, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to, to keep him. But I, I wish him the best as far as, as getting a promotion and uh, hope that he can and make that jump to um, defensive coordinator. But, he, I mean, he, he's not, it's just, there's no way. It's not going to happen. The guy's turning 50 this year, defensive side of the ball, whole nine yards, not going to happen. Another Wisconsin name, Brett Bielema. 
Um, he was a coach for Wisconsin, ended up bailing on Wisconsin, going over to Arkansas. He's currently a consultant on Bill Belichick's staff in New England. That actually kind of makes it a little bit enticing. He's got the Wisconsin roots. I don't think he was a terrible coach. Um, I know there's a little bit of bad blood there, but the fact that he actually has jumped up into the NFL and has experience with uh, New England and Bill Belichick, it's kind of interesting. But, I mean, to call it a long shot, it's, it's, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's a very, very big long shot. All right, so that's the end. As far as I know, I mean, th- th- this list is not in very good order. I, <laughs> I copy and pasted in whatever order I could. Try to keep some order. I got college and pro separated, and I have the Packers stuff separated or Wisconsin stuff. But anyways, the, the first official legitimate candidate that I have here, number eight on my list, John Harbaugh. Now, I know most uh, Packer fans are going to roll their eyes. Uh, John Harbaugh, very long, storied, historic kind of guy. He's been around a long time. Um, everybody knows the name Harbaugh because of him and his brother. He does have a Super Bowl championship under his belt. I know it's a very boring option. The only thing I can really say in his defense is if, if, if it's true that Mike McCarthy is a very, very good coach, the only problem is we need a new voice. John Harbaugh makes sense in that regard because it's a safe bet. Boring but safe. We know he is a successful coach. We know he knows his stuff. It's, he's really just that new message. He's Mike McCarthy repackaged in a new message. He doesn't provide us youth. He doesn't provide us a kind of crazy, you know, you know, college offense. He's not a 30-year-old guy, whatever. Um, but what it would provide is, I don't know, a low floor as well as riots in uh, all throughout Wisconsin. I'm going to come out and say I don't think this is the option for us. But he's, he's been the Ravens head coach since 2008, and it, it's, it's a pretty similar situation over there. 2008 to 2018 is 10 years. In other words, it's run its course, same as Mike McCarthy. He's a good coach. He's a very knowledgeable coach. He has a Super Bowl under his belt. He's never played with the, the talent of Aaron Rodgers. It's an option. Just, just the, the other thing I can say, and it, it's important for myself as well, because a lot of times I hear someone, I just roll my eyes like John or uh, Jim, John, whatever. Either of the Harbaugh's would be correct. But try to be open-minded, because there, there's positive and negative to everybody, and I think this is a, the first legitimate contender it's also important to brace yourself because you're going to hear a name and the odds are it's not going to be the name you want to hear. If there's one guy you like and there's 70, if you can hear the screaming, by the way, upstairs, I apologize. This is what happens when I do a podcast at five o'clock in the afternoon. But anyways, just, just keep an open mind is all I can say. I'm, I'm just trying to provide a list to you and um, the best thing for you and for all of us is to be open-minded about it and to really just hear the names and really do a deep dive as to why would anybody actually consider this. John Harbaugh is not a name at first glance, that anybody wants. Not a single person in Wisconsin wants him, but it's something to consider. So just please try your best to keep an open mind to all these different names. Well, I shouldn't say all. Don't keep an open mind to Brett Favre. Don't do that. Just, just, please don't. Another name very similar to Jim Harbaugh, minus some of the success, is Marvin Lewis. Again, I know, I understand. He's a defensive guy, which is not great. Uh, he came from college, linebackers coach, defensive coordinator, came up to the Washington Redskins in 2002. He has been the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals since 2003. This guy has been there forever. So again, it's another situation where obviously you don't want Cincinnati to be here in Wisconsin, but what has he had to work with? I mean, honestly, seriously, is it possible the guy's an absolute NFL guru and a genius guy 
that has just been stuck on a team that has not had any talent and has basically been trying to figure out how to work with occasionally a good defense as well as Andy Dalton and A.J. Green and figure out how to turn that mishmash into a Super Bowl championship team every single year. Is it possible that he is a very, very good head coach who has never had any talent and is just on a team that has just run its course because he's been there well over? I mean, we're talking not 10 years. We're talking 15 years. Maybe we need a new voice. So, again, I know it's a stretch, but established, I don't know about successful, but um, it's an option. Another coach in a very similar vein is Gary Kubiak. Yes, I know. Roll your eyes. I get it. Guy has been around for an unbelievable long time. Quarterback's coach in 1994 for the San Francisco 49ers. In other words, Steve Young. Steve Young and the 49ers were 13-3 and that year. 70% completion percentage, you know, 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns. I mean, very, very good year. He parlayed that into an offensive coordinator slash quarterback's coach job from 1995 to 2002, seven years for the Denver Broncos. He then got promoted finally to offensive coordinator from 2003 to 2005. In his first year as an offensive coordinator, he brought the team from 9 and 7 to 10 and 6 and then in 2004 they went 10 and 6 again, 2005 13 and 3. The offense was 7th in points, 5th in yards. Based on that success, he ended up getting a head coaching job with the Houston Texans in 2006 and he was there since from 2006 to 2013, so again, we're talking a very, very long-time head coach of the Houston Texans. The year prior to him getting there, the Houston Texans in 2005 were 2-14 and 14 with head coach none other than Mr. Dom Capers. They went 2-14. and 14. The next year, Gary Kubiak comes in, they go 6-10. and 10. The very next year, they go 8-8, eight and eight, so they're starting to climb. Go 8-8 eight and eight again, go 9-7, and seven, then they start to regress to 6-10, and 10, so they kind of peaked out there. Things end up fizzling out. He gets fired. He goes to the Baltimore Ravens as the offensive coordinator in 2014. The Ravens in 2013, the year before he got there, 25th in points, 29th in yards. They went 8-8. One year he shows up, they're 8th in points, 12th in yards, and they go 10-6. So what do you think happened? This guy who was an offensive guru who goes to the Texans, things are not panning out very well because it's the Texans and they're garbage. He gets demoted because the Texans are like, we're done with you. He goes to the Ravens and completely transforms from one of the worst offenses to one of the best offenses offenses in one year as the head coach. Excuse me, offensive coordinator. Who was the head coach? Who was John Harbaugh? It's funny how these intertwine. That was all the Denver Broncos needed to see. They hired him back, this time as the head coach from 2015 to 2016. What happened in his first year in 2015? Oh yeah, Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. So the guy's pretty accomplished. He had a real rough stretch with the Houston Texans, but he did a lot with the Denver Broncos, especially on the offense. He's a quarterback's coach. He was very successful. When he went to the Houston Texans, he made them better right out of the gate, but the head coach can only do so much. They did not have a lot of talent. They kind of capped out at about nine wins. He ended up getting fired because, I mean, seven years of not success, you have no other option. Goes to the Baltimore Ravens, turns them into one of the best offenses after being one of the worst. Goes to the Denver Broncos, and in his first year, they win a Super Bowl. He's currently senior personnel advisor for the Denver Broncos, has been since last year. So, again, it's one of those names that you hear it, and everybody goes, old and dumb, and nobody likes him, but he's got about as good a resume as you're going to find, especially if you're looking for a guy to just show up and just win. Mr. Gary Kubiak, respected quarterback guy, 
it makes sense. It's it's not what a lot of people want because again, we want young and hip and cool and all that. But again, keep an open mind. The guy's a successful coach. Is he young and innovative? No. But hey, how about this? Gary Kubiak coupled with a younger offensive coordinator type. Something to think about. I don't know. Whatever. Do what you want with it. Get your pen and paper out. Write the names down. Go do your own homework. Let me know what you think. If I don't speed up, this is going to be a two-parter. Number 11, Chuck Pagano. Guy's been coaching since the 80s. Another well-known guy. Um, He was listed as a coach that's trying to get back into the NFL. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that's what the article was saying. He's a defensive guy, which isn't, you know, it's going to be not in his favor. Started off as a secondary coach for the Cleveland Browns for about three years. Went to the Oakland Raiders defensive back coach for a couple years. Went back into college, North Carolina, as a defensive coordinator because that's a step up, right? You want that D.C. title. Jumped back up with the Baltimore Ravens as a secondary coach. He didn't get the defensive coordinator job. But finally, he got promoted by the the Baltimore Ravens in 2011 as a defensive coordinator. And then he jumped up finally as a head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He got off to a really good start with the Colts, going 11-5 for three straight years. Uh, they dropped to 8-8, eight and eight, then went 8-8, eight and eight, and then went 4-12. and 12. Um, You know, again, keep an open mind, but... I mean, he's a defensive guy, uh, had relative success with the Colts back when the Colts had something to play with, but I, I personally don't see very much. Next on the list, Jim Caldwell. Why? I don't know. Jim Cald- Caldwell is on some people's list. He's a defensive-minded guy. You might remember him when we went up against him pretty regularly when he was the coach of the Lions. He was not very good as a coach of the Lions. Defensive guy, I don't think he's a very good coach. Maybe I'm being unfair, but I mean, this is a situation where we're talking about a, what, 64-year-old guy with very limited success. I mean, he went 14-2 and with the Colts in 2009, but 10-6 and in 2010, 11-5 with the Lions in 2014, but otherwise we're looking at 2-14 and with the Colts, 7-9, and 9-7, and 9-7 and with the Lions. And he strikes me as a 9-7 and guy, defensive coordinator, old, and... I know that sounded mean, but I'm I'm talking more or less old school. He I, I don't he doesn't bring anything, man. It's I, no, thank you. Another name that's a defensive guy, Jack Del Rio. Now I really like Jack Del Rio as a defensive coordinator candidate, and I went through this very extensively before we got Mike Pettin. Not going to go through it again, but he was very similar to Gary Kubiak, where he was one of those guys that got that improved the defense everywhere he went. Unbelievably impressive. Problem is horrendous head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Some guys, they know one thing and they do it very well. Head coach is different, man. It's not just, you're not orchestrating an offense like an offensive coordinator. Maybe some head coaches do. You're not orchestrating a defense like a defensive coordinator does. You're the head coach. You've got business meetings and you've got to structure practice schedules and all this kind of stuff. You have to be a leader. You have to talk to the press. It's a bigger kind of job and it's a different job. It's not like you're the head coach, so you're going to improve the defense. No, if you want this guy to help your defense, make him the defensive coordinator. And I, th- I really wanted Jack Del Rio to be our defensive coordinator. Not that I'm not happy with Pettin. I really like him. I don't want Jack Del Rio as a head coach because he was the head coach once before and he was a nightmare. But it's an option. Go check him out. If you want to go see his pedigree, I would encourage you to check that out. Go see what he did for the, I don't know, he's for a lot of different teams. But as a defensive coordinator, he did some really, really, really good stuff. And I would be very mad if we got rid of Pettin. The only reason I would not throw an absolute fit if we got rid of Pettin is if we got rid of Pettin and either Vic Fangio or Jack Del Rio came in. <laughs> Which, you know, Fangio wouldn't, but Del, Del Rio might. I don't know. But don't touch Pettin, all right? I just, I like Pettin. 
Next name on the list, and we're starting to get into different kind of stuff, right? We're not talking big name head coaches that you probably recognize. Uh, first name on the list is Matt Eberfluss. Don't know if I'm saying it right because I've never heard his name in my entire life. He is currently the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, couple of strikes here. First of all, defensive guy. Second of all, he's a first-year defensive coordinator. He just made that leap to go from defensive coordinator to head coach of the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, come on, man. However, he was listed as a quote-unquote rising star, which usually means there's more to it than just, you know, whatever. In other words, he's, he's drawing a lot of attention for what he's been able to do. And to be honest, there's a lot to be said about what he's doing over there in Indianapolis. Now, he came from the Dallas Cowboys with the linebackers coach, and I think the linebackers of the Dallas Cowboys, something to be said about that. Some talent over there. Part of that, he was a Cleveland Browns linebackers coach, and then defensive coordinator for Missouri for several years, and yada, yada, yada. Played for, or or, excuse me, um, coach for Toledo for many years. He started as an outside linebacker coach at 24 for Toledo. That's crazy, man. He's been at it for a while. He's 48 years old right now. Anyways, it, it's a massive leap, but if you're looking for sort of that, you know, up-and-coming thing, this is an up-and-coming name. Again, defensive guy. However, what did I say about a, a criteria is making players play better than expected. The The Indianapolis Colts do not have any talent on defense. They have none. One of the things that's shocking a lot of people right now is the fact that the Colts are are playing some impressive football. And not only is it because Andrew Luck is stepping up, but the defense is actually competent, which they haven't been in a long time. Not because of the talent, something else. Probably, right? I mean, who who do you know on the Colts' defense right now? Give me three names. Exactly. You have no idea. Now, they're not crushing it. But it's pretty impressive that you got this Matt Eberflus guy who shows up, and in his first year, the Colts have have really raised the bar, not because of the talent on defense, but because of some magical, mystical, external factor, possibly, maybe, probably, the defensive coordinator. So, rising star, however, again, really big leap, not so sure. Next up, Mr. 15, or Mr. 15, number 15, Bruce Arians. I'm not going to get through this today. i got to hurry up. He already said no. Moving on. Hugh Jackson. Um, no, thank you. Moving on. Number 17, Josh McDaniels. I don't need to spend a lot of time here because you already know this is a very well-known commodity. You already probably have an opinion on it. You know what he does. You know where he's at. You have an opinion. Moving on. The next two, John Filippo and Matt uh, LaFleur. Here's what I'm going to say because you've heard me talk about these guys quite a bit. Here's, here's my big question. How much of these offenses, because I've already said the offense has, has deteriorated, how much of this offense is really run by these offensive coordinators, LaFleur and DeFilippo, or, or Flip, as the cool kids call them? Are they calling the plays? How much of this playbook is influenced by the offensive coordinator as opposed to the head coach? If this is 100% DeFilippo's offense, if this is not 100% LaFleur's offense, then it's not real good. However, the, the regression in the offense, I, I don't know how much to put on them. In other words, is it possible that these guys are being restrained and they're being used as consultants? In other words, they were hired so that they could kind of pick the brain of the guy that used to work under the Rams offensive coordinator, blah, 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 but the head coach is really calling the shots. But maybe you hire DeFilippo, maybe you hire LaFleur, and they come in here and they legitimately take over and run a sort of McVay kind of offense. Unrestrained. Again, I'm not on board because I don't see the results. However... Offensive coordinator is not head coach. Head coach gets to dictate how much power the offensive coordinator has. I don't know the answer to that, but that's a very good question that needs to be answered. Moving on. 
Number 20, Eric Bieniemy. Very similar. Essentially, what we're looking here is for the next uh, Mr. Matt Nagy. This kind of raised a, a, a pretty much the exact same question, but from a different perspective. Let's say Matt Nagy, as the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, went on to be not a head coach of the Bears, but an offensive coordinator of, oh, I don't know, the Minnesota Vikings or the Tennessee Titans. Let's say the Titans, because the Titans are really bad. If the Titans were 28th in points and 28th in yards under Matt Nagy as offensive coordinator, would I be sitting here today saying, I don't want Nagy, he's a joke? It's possible. Again, what happens when you unleash him and let him have the entire offense? Not just the playbook. He gets the playbook, he gets the play calling, and he gets the attitude as well. He gets to set the tone. Maybe Biennemi has that. Maybe Flip has that. Maybe Lafleur has that. Maybe there's a couple good candidates out here. And it really just comes down to finding which one of these 3, 4, 10, 9, 13 guys has what it takes to be a leader. Something to be considered. And um, if we do get DiFilippo or, um, you know, Biennemi or Lafleur, that's going to be my assumption, is that the Packers came to the conclusion, because again, I do trust our ability, to, they, they know the numbers as well as I do, they know the numbers a lot better than I do, they know that the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota Vikings offenses have regressed since these two men took over. If they're hiring them, them, them despite that, that essentially tells me they believe they can be the next Matt Nagy, excuse me, McVeigh, or Nagy if we're talking about uh, the enemy, but I'm going to leave that option open. Based on the results that I've seen, aside from Biennemi, but again, Biennemi follows the same issue because it was fine when Nagy was there, and then Biennemi takes over and the offense continues to thrive, which leads you to believe that it's the head coach more so than anything else. But again, see, and this is what's crazy about it, you've got head coaches. You've got Andy Reid and you've got Sean McVay, and these two guys are running very potent offenses that are just tearing up the league right now. Then you've got a series of offensive coordinators slash talented people that have done talented things that we think maybe could be the next Nagy or um, McVeigh or Reed or whatever. Not really Reed. He doesn't fit that, but whatever. The one example we have of one of these guys breaking free and going and being a head coach, he's successful. The two guys that broke away, and, and again, one of them was not under Nagy, but one was, or I keep saying, I'm getting the names all messed up. The one guy that was under McVeigh went off to not be very successful. So it, it's an interesting dynamic, and it, it's a very important question, and I, it's one that I hope the Packers are going to explore very thoroughly, and that is how much authority do they have over the offense. That's true for Biennemi, Lafleur, and Filippo. Because if they don't have a ton of, of, of responsibility or authority, it's very possible that these guys just need to be unleashed and give them our offense. And we could have 10 years of, you know, whatever. Pretty awesome stuff. So these are the guys that, that they're names that you've heard before, but I wanted to give you a different, uh, different thought process, whatever, different perspective. Uh, number 21, Steve Sarkeesian. He's the Falcons' offensive coordinator. I'd be shocked by this because the Falcons used to be awesome, and then they got a new offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, and now they're horrible. So I'm going to say no for the sake of time. Uh, he was on the Vegas odds, though, uh, 20,000 something. I don't bet, so I don't know how the, the terminology, but you put 100 bucks down, you get 20 grand back because it's not going to happen. Pete Carmichael is a pretty big name. Exact same problem with all this stuff. Um, the, the only real difference is. 
um, the long-term success of the Saints offense. The Saints have been a potent offense basically the entire time Pete Mark- Pete Carmichael has been the offensive coordinator. So as much as you don't know if it's the head coach or the offensive coordinator, the fact of the matter is they know how to do it and they know how to do it right. And despite the level of talent, they've had, you know, they've always had Breeze, but they've had more talent, less talent. But unlike the Packers who have had sustained, sustained success, they don't have those occasional blips where it's like, well, that wasn't a very good year. And statistically, that was a bad year. And you got two, three, four, five, six of those years. The Saints have never had those years. They've legitimately been top 10 in offense basically every single year that these guys have been there. So a legitimate concern needs to, or uh, consideration needs to be given to Pete Carmichael. Uh, Zach Taylor, the guy's only 34 years old, crazy. He's you know, a couple years older than me. He's the current quarterback coach for the LA Rams. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, several degrees of separation, but he's a big name because a lot of people see him as a potential um, Sean McVay. That is rising star, um, very young, very talented, very motivated. You know, he's, he's risen through the ranks to be, you know, quarterback coach at 34 years old. So very outside shot because it would be a big leap, right? Usually from quarterback coach, you would maybe go to offensive coordinator. Um, so it, it would be a big jump and there would need to be a lot of, of belief that this guy has something special beyond just, you know, he works for McVay because, okay, why don't we just take their offensive coordinator or somebody else? So um, it's a big risk, but it's sort of a high-risk, high-reward. Because, again, everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay, and the assumption is there isn't one right now. He's a one-of-a-kind guy. There's nobody else like him. But if you want to find him, you're going to have to dig deep. And um, Zach Taylor is kind of the, the, you know, everybody's focused on that guy. Press Taylor is Zach Taylor's brother. Why is he on this list? Probably because he's Zach Taylor's brother. Uh, He's a current quarterback coach for the Eagles. There isn't much else to talk about. Um, Eagles quarterback coach... Obviously, there's been some success there, not since he's been the quarterback coach, but, you know, it's something, and he's Zach's brother, so he's number 24. Number 25, Brian Flores, current, not defensive coordinator, but defensive play caller for the uh, uh, New England Patriots. I don't know why anybody would be interested in this. He's defensive-minded. He's not even the defensive coordinator, and there's currently a defensive coordinator who was very, very respected, who is the head coach of the Detroit Lions, and they're not a very good football team, so why would Brian Flores be a head coach? I don't know. Moving on, number 26. Um, one, one of the uh, real big leaps, and you want to talk about another guy that, that people feel is maybe something special, Mr. David Taub, Taub, whatever, I don't know how you say his name. He is the Kansas City Chiefs special teams coordinator slash assistant head coach. I, to be honest, I don't exactly know what the hype is about him. Um, I know he's interviewed for head coaching positions in the past. He was the Bears special team coordinator from 2004 to 2012. So he probably got a lot of love because there was some pretty special stuff happening in that time frame for the Bears. Um, but they ended up hiring Mark Trestman instead of him, which, you know, that was awesome. He ends up going over to the Chiefs. He's worked his way up through the uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, assistant head coach is, is pretty much, you know, could potentially be next in line. I don't really know. I don't have a whole lot to go on here, but uh, it's somebody you should definitely check out because a lot of people are talking about him. Number 27, Byron Leftwich. That is an absolute joke. ESPN, um, again, reputable organization giving us nonsense here. Byron Leftwich was not a very good quarterback. Um, He is now the offensive coordinator for one of the worst offenses in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. He would be lucky to be downgraded to quarterback coach after this, much less offensive quarter, much, much less um head coach 
Yes, I'm in coordinator, not quarter. My mouth isn't working right now. Oh, we got to fly. Mike Kafka, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback coach. 31 years old. He's got the youth. Kansas City, big upgrade. Everybody wants people from Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. Why else would you need to question that? It's that sort of double leap again, but it's something to be considered. Again, Pat Mahomes' success is going to turn a lot of heads. He's working with the Chiefs, so he understands the offense. He's young. He's 31. He's my age. So, you know, maybe a little early for Kafka, but could be something special there. He probably could parlay this into an offensive coordinator job, if nothing else. And by the way, we probably in line for an offensive coordinator. Keep an eye out for Mr. Mike Kafka. 29, Vic Fangio. The first time I heard this, I I don't know, little much for me. Defense, and some of it is like purging from the uh, the, the Bears, which is a bonus. Which, by the way, Vikings offensive coordinator, if we get him, you know, at least they lose their offensive coordinator. You know, the the, uh, the Detroit Lions purged the uh, or, or poached the uh, defensive coordinator from the Patriots, and hey, at least they got him a win against the Patriots. So if we can do that to the Bears and get two wins a year from the Bears, that's awesome. Here's the thing I'll say about Vic, though. As much as I don't really, I mean, he, I don't expect him to come in and fix the defense because we got our defensive guy, and I don't want Vic Fangio to come in and, and try to run the defense because then what do we have Mike Patton for? However, if you've been listening to me for a while, you understand what I've said about the Bears' defense and the the stairs analogy, right? If you go look at Pro Football Focus, every single one of these guys, for the most part, has gotten better every single year. What does a head coach need to do if not elevate the, 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 the level and talent of his players and develop his players every single year to have an entire defense every year for three years get better with the exception of like two guys? is beyond impressive. I don't know if he can do that as a head coach. I have no idea, but that's very impressive, and um, it's worth looking at, I guess. Another name is Mr. Chris Richard. Richard? I don't know. Um, He's currently the defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, which makes it very unlikely. Um, He did do some work as a defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, defensive back coach for the Seattle Seahawks from 2012 to 2014, cornerback coach for Seattle Seahawks in 2011, assistant defensive back coach in 2010. So he's got the credibility because of the Legion of Boom. Dallas Cowboys defense is very much improved right now, so people are impressed by that, but I don't think so. I, I think, you know, why was Seattle good? during the Legion of Boom days because of the Legion of Boom. Why is the Dallas defense playing better now? Because of the players like uh, Leighton Vander Esch and things of that nature. They've got a very good pass rusher. They have a very good linebacker. They've, they've, they've got more talent now. So I, I don't see it. He, he could probably parlay this into a defensive coordinator position, but um, I don't know if that would even be successful, and I definitely don't see him becoming a head coach. But again, he's a name. I want to give you the names. Number 31, Jim Bob Cooter. No, thank you. I think uh, the, you know, again, when you look at uh, the talent compared to the production, I actually think that the Detroit Lions are underproducing. I think they're not getting the most out of their quarterback. I think they've had unbelievable wide receivers. I think this offense coulda, woulda, shoulda been one of the better offenses for several years. I mean, you look at, for example, whatever, the, the wide receivers, the quarterback, the offensive line, just... It's never really been there, and it should have been there. So I'm I'm not impressed. I don't I'm not a fan of uh, Ricky Bobby Cooter. So just no thank you. There's also Dan Campbell with the Saints. Um, I mean, if we're gonna get somebody from the Saints, it's gonna be the offensive coordinator. But I guess if he's not interested, there's also Dan Campbell, 
He's currently the assistant head coach and uh, tight ends coach. Actually, I don't know if he is right now. He was in 2017. I don't know what he's doing right now. But there's that guy, so probably not. But, I mean, if you really want to do a deep dive, Dan Campbell. Another name, Jim Schwartz, is funny because I actually mentioned him, I believe, yesterday kind of as a joke. I said, if we're we're just going to grab people from the team that won the Super Bowl, how about Jim Schwartz? Because the Eagles won the Super Bowl because of their defense. Their defensive coordinator was Jim Schwartz. And listen, Jim Schwartz, I think, is a great defensive coordinator. Jim Schwartz as a head coach, not quite as successful. That's my current stance. Do with it what you will. Speaking of, George Edwards. And actually, this is a guy that I'm surprised hasn't gotten more talk. This is the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. He's been the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings since 2014. Last year, the Minnesota Vikings were first in uh, points, first in yards, if I'm not mistaken. That's unbelievable. Now, they've regressed a bit. And again, talent is a big part of it. But um, the fact that he's not getting a look for head coach is, is crazy to me. And I would assume he's, he's only 51. That's not that old. Now, do I personally want him? I don't know. I, 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 there would have to be reasons outside of his abilities on defense because, I mean, if we're going to hire him as a defensive coordinator, yeah, maybe. I need to see that he is the reason that, that the defense did what it did. And unfortunately for him, he's got a lot of really good players on that defense. So if I'm looking at George Edwards, I got to see how these players are, are exceeding expectations. I don't see that. I Not that they're underperforming necessarily, but they, they, they're they just stacked with talent. I think anybody, I, I think I could be the defensive coordinator for the Vikings and I would look really good. I could probably parlay that into a head coaching job because they're just going to go out there and dominate. Beyond that, the fact that they're regressing in 2018 compared to 2017 is not going to look very good for them. But it's, it's something to consider. Another name you've probably never heard of is Freddie Kitchens. He is currently doing the play calling for the uh, Cleveland Browns after they fired their head coach and they fired their offensive coordinator. Somebody's got to take over. Mr. Freddie Kitchens has done it. And the only reason it's a real big name is because as soon as he took over, boom, the Cleveland Browns look awesome. Here's the situation, though. They played a bunch of garbage teams. Then again, they went up against the Texans, and they looked like garbage. So I I would say for Mr. Freddie Kitchens, it's possible he could turn this into an official offensive coordinator job if he can really tear this thing up to to be less than an offensive coordinator and then be a head coach within a couple months because everybody got fired and you came in and your quarterback did some things that were somewhat competent. I don't buy it. But again, we're going to need an offensive coordinator. Maybe Freddie Kitchens comes over. I hope not, but who knows. Um, Another name for the Rams, Mr. Shane Waldron. Man, I hope you got your pen and paper out. He is the tight ends coach and passing game coordinator for the Rams. Again, big reach. I mean, th- this could be a deep dive guy that could end up being a... This is something else to consider, too. We're going to need an offensive coordinator. As much as everybody's excited about the head coach, we we could get some really young, talented offensive coordinators in here, whether that's Zach Taylor, whether that's Shane Waldron, whether a lot of these younger guys that maybe aren't quite ready for a head coaching job but are ready to move up. These are the kinds of guys that we could maybe get interest in. So the the, the passing game over at the Rams, uh, as well as their quarterback play and everything else, is very, very impressive, whether it's Zach Taylor or Shane Waldron. The things that they've been able to do are very, very, very impressive. You look at the wide receivers, I, I don't think any of their wide receivers, whether it's Woods or Cooks or whatever, 
have been as effective and as talented as they have since joining the Rams, and their passing game coordinator is Shane Waldron. Is he going to be our head coach? No. Could he possibly jump up and be an offensive coordinator? Possibly. Again, if you want to impress your friends at uh, parties or whatever and go on a deep dive, Shane Waldron. Uh, Another name for you, Mr. Brian Dabble. He's currently the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, which is not great. I think when you look at guys like this, you're not looking at production because you can't because there's nothing there. Buffalo Bills are an absolute joke. However, the talent isn't there. So, I mean, you really got to do a deep dive on this. Again, could he get an offensive coordinator job? Probably. But the biggest thing with a guy like this is his previous job in 2017 was co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for Alabama. That's impressive. Prior to that, New England Patriots. Now, the Patriots in Alabama have some history because the two head coaches have worked together in the past, I believe, for the Browns or whatever. Prior to that, he worked for the Kansas City Chiefs. Prior to that, to the Dolphins. Prior to that, to the Browns. Prior to that, to the Jets. Prior to that, to the Patriots and the Patriots. Prior to that, Michigan State and then William and Mary. The guy's only 43, so he's relatively young, and he, he has worked for some very, very impressive people. He's an NFC East guy, you know, Buffalo Bills, Alabama. There's there's just kind of this, I know Alabama isn't NFC East. I'm just saying, there's kind of that feel to it, right? Alabama, the Patriots, NFC East, Mike Pettin. You know, I, I don't know if we want to go that route. And I, I want to talk about this a little bit more as far as a head coaching prospect for the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers. And I should talk about it today, but we're already over an hour and I have a lot more prospects to get through. But in summation, if Rodgers wants to go deep, let's just go deep and find a guy that can do it. In other words, I'm more interested in, uh, you know, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs offense than I am the Patriots offense. We'll leave it at that. But uh, Mr. Dabble, check it out. Next up, another guy you probably have never heard of, Sean Ryan. Currently the Texans quarterback coach, which immediately should bring your mind to Mr. Watson. Guy shocked the world. Prior to that, he was a wide receiver coach for who? For the New York Giants. Who do the New York Giants have? Odell Beckham. So again, you got a situation. And it's it's one of those things that does not impress me. But you see success and people attach that to a name. And Sean Ryan is one of those guys that just has success. Follow him wherever he goes. However, Odell Beckham would be successful regardless of who his wide receiver coach is. And I think Deshaun Watson would be relatively successful regardless of who his quarterback coach would be. And beyond, beyond that, you also have offensive coordinators. You have head coaches. You have passing game coordinators. You have a lot of people involved that may be helping out. Sean Ryan is not the only guy. However, again, quarterback coach, potential offensive coordinator, Sean Ryan, keep an eye out. Next up, a more relatively well-known name, Gus Bradley. We haven't even got to college yet. Now, Gus Bradley is similar to Del Rio. Very good defensive coordinator. However, you know, okay, here's the situation. (laughs) He's very similar to Del Rio. Terrible coach for the Jaguars. I think, was Del Rio Jaguars? Now I'm feeling like I might be stupid. I feel like he was. Maybe it was the, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have time. I'm not looking it up. Terrible head coach for the Jaguars. Really solid defensive coordinator for the Chargers right now. But why? Say it with me, kids. Because of the talent. Gus Bradley is doing well as a defensive coordinator because they have a lot of defensive talent over there for the Chargers. It's defense. It's uh, There's just nothing. And he, he has a track record of being a bad coach, so that's that. The last pro coach, James Betcher. This is another no. 
Uh, he was the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals were very, very good. Uh, the head coach for the Cardinals wanted Betcher to be head coach. They said no to Betcher. He went over to the Giants. He's now their defensive coordinator, and their defense is a joke. Uh, Betcher could be a talented dude. He could be a defensive coordinator somewhere else, maybe where they're successful. He's not going to make a jump to uh, to head coach, I would assume, because the Giants are a disaster. But again, if we're just looking at... Uh, a less lack of success, we have to say no to Lafleur and DiFilippo. And uh, the question maybe is, should we be looking at talent? Should we be looking at the head coach? Those kinds of things. Betcher could be a talented guy, but is he going to be a head coach? I'm going to say no. Let's move on to college very quickly. Urban Meyer, uh, he retired in shame. He's not coming back out. Lincoln Riley, he said he's not leaving college. If he does, he's going to be an absolute top target. You already know his name. Beyond that, Bob Stoops. Why Bob Stoops? Because USA Today put him in a list. Only eight people they can come up with. Bob Stoops is one of them. Again, how do these people have jobs? Bottom line is Bob Stoops was uh, the head coach of Oklahoma. He stepped down for Lincoln Riley. He became the defensive coordinator for the uh, for Oklahoma and uh, got fired because their def- defense was a joke. He's never coached in the NFL. It's never going to happen. Sorry. Jim Harbaugh. Very successful head coach over at the 49ers. Uh, He got his dream job with Michigan. They're not doing as well as his hoped. There's an outside chance where maybe he wants to restore his name uh, by getting back into the NFL. It's possible he could be seeking that that Super Bowl trophy. The Packers could be appealing in that regard. Um, The problem is he essentially wears out his welcome wherever he goes and would likely do that again with us. Cliff Kingsbury, number 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 45, already said uh, no. He took a job somewhere else. Dabo Swinney, I've already talked about extensively. I like his personality. I don't know what that would translate to as far as an NFL head coach. Uh, Matt Rule is the Baylor head coach. Uh, he was actually the coach over at Temple, and they were a very successful program. He came over to Baylor his first year. They were 1-11. In his second year, they went 6-6. Six and six. That's this year. So pretty impressive stuff. Um, something to look into accidentally pasted one in the wrong place but Dirk Cutter he's a NFL guy um just it there's Vegas odds on Dirk Cutter I don't know why it's there but uh whatever just no don't worry about it Pat's Pat Fitzgerald he's been coaching at Northwestern for a very long time um I, I don't really get the hype all that much uh there, there was an article I actually think it was USA Today and it was the worst it was so bad. It, it, the entire article, it was a separate USA Today article, so there were two really bad ones when I was doing my research. The entire article was based on some Packers reporter wrote an article about potential coaches, and uh, Fitzgerald was on the front cover, and that was pretty much it. And then they actually said as a description, he's in Chicago, which is just a short train ride away from Milwaukee, which is a long bus ride away from, from Green Bay or something stupid like that. Like, are you kidding me? But whatever. I mean, he coaches at Northwestern. It hasn't been a very successful program. I, I don't know what to say about it. Four wins, six wins, nine, eight, seven, six, ten, five, five, ten, seven, uh, ten, and eight. Eight and five this year. So, I mean, whatever. Look into it, potential, but you're not looking at a very successful college program. There would have to be something else, right? Leadership, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know. Nick Saban's name is being thrown around. I don't, I don't know if I really want him. He did, was not very successful in the NFL, and there's a very slim chance. Uh, the only thing I would say is, similar to what I said before, you never know what's going to make a guy tick. It's possible he's he's kind of reached the pinnacle at Alabama, and he wants to get out while he's ahead. Now, if, if it's me, do that and retire. But, um, you know, maybe he wants, maybe the ego is getting a hold of him, and he's like, I've done everything I can do here, 
and there's nothing I can do that's better because they're probably going to win it again. I mean, I don't know who's going to possibly beat them aside from Georgia, who's already eliminated because they're not allowed in because the committee is dumb. But, um, you know, maybe try to get a Super Bowl. Whatever. It, it's not going to happen. I don't know if I want them anyways. Uh, number 51, David Shaw. Very, very popular. I wanted to talk a lot more, but I am completely out of time. Um, Stanford head coach, relative success. Uh, the, 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 the interesting thing about it is his way about going about things. He, he's, he's very, very well respected as a leader. Um, it's a pretty tough program to, to be at Stanford. They don't have uh, a lot of the big money and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, they, they, they were a very losing program for quite a while, and they came in, and there's been a lot of success. Uh, a little bit prior to him, it was actually Harbaugh that came in and made it successful. But he has continued that success, and they, they sort of built something. And and the, the idea is to find people that are passionate about football as well as academics. But a lot of real big – I would say if you haven't looked into David Shaw to spend a lot of time doing it, there's a lot of people that really, really, really like David Shaw. The biggest question, like a lot of these college guys, would he dare leave? I would guess no, but it's worth looking into. Uh, I would also look at the Power Sweep did an article. Um, you know, again, if you want quality, I would go to Packers Blogs, Packers Podcasts. Stay away from ESPN and USA Today because it's just garbage. Again, no offense to the Packers Wire guy. I like him, but just complete trash. But uh, the Power Sweep had a whole thing on David Shaw that was pretty good, so I would go check that out. Number 52, Josh Hupel. This is another failure of the USA Today. The only reason I'm even bringing this up is because I want to trash them. They basically, again, put together a list of eight candidates, and one of the candidates was Hupel. And then in the description, they basically said, this is never going to happen. He's not going to be a head coach anywhere. It's just kind of this funny little thing I felt like doing and getting paid for. And that's the end of that. Basically, UCF is undefeated. So there you go. What a joke. Number 53, Chris Peterson. This might be the biggest college name aside from uh, uh, Lincoln Riley. Very, very, very successful program over at Washington. You've seen what they've done with the defensive backs and some of those guys, the defenses that they've had at Washington. Very impressive. Um, He's also done quite well at Boise State. So he's a very big name to check out uh, outside of Lincoln Riley for college coaches. Uh, Jeff Tedford has been brought up, Fresno State uh, coach. I think the biggest reason is his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. If you don't know what that is, just just look it up. Again, I'm out of time. I'm very sorry. Jeff Tedford is another name. I, I would say it's a very, very long shot. Probably not going to happen. Again, it's, it, it's being brought up because he's a decently talented coach who has a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't even know if it's a good relationship. He knows Aaron Rodgers. He coached him. The final two, number 55, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Uh, he was previously the coach of Toledo. They were a pretty good program. Uh, he brought Iowa State from three and nine to eight and five, and then this year they're eight and four. Not overly successful, but that's the kind of thing when you go from a three-win team to an eight-win team that people seem to notice. I'm sure there's more to it. Again, just go check it out. Finally, Brian Kelly of Notre Dame. The guy's been there since 2010. Uh, he's had a, he's had a pretty good stretch. In 2016, they were a four-win team, but they've gone 10 wins and 12 wins the last year. Uh, in 2018, 12 and 0, undefeated. So that's the kind of thing, if you want to make a jump, now is the time, because you're not going to do that again. Last time he won 12 games was in 2012. He went 12-1. and Before that, uh, Cincinnati. Actually, it's funny. He went 12-0 and in 2009 with Cincinnati, turned that into a Notre Dame job. He went 12-0 and again for the first time since he got a new job. If he wants a new job, now is the time. So again, another guy to look at. I got to get going. You folks enjoy your day. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.